Today is a bit different. It's coffee with a commissioner, but in reverse. So yeah. normally you're interviewing somebody. Now you're on the other side of this. I'm sat on the side of the today. desk today. Yeah, brilliant. So introduce yourself to your listeners. My name is Steve Turner. I am Cleveland's Police and Crime Commissioner, um, and I was elected to do this role in May 2021. So 2021. Wow, it's, time's gone quick there, hasn't it? Um, yeah. So I think it'd be really good for people to really understand is your background, you know, what, what's your connection with Cleveland? I was, I was born here, so 1971, um, over in hospital in Saltburn. It was, um, so born there, after about six months, my family moved away, spent two years in South Africa. My dad worked in a, for a mining company. My mum was stay at home. South Africa was a, a very, very different place back in the early 70s. And I know my mum in particular hated it, um, which was why we didn't stay longer than, than we did. Um, coming back, family was from, mum was from Dormerstown, dad was from Grangetown. So we moved back, a house in Dormerstown, council house in Dormerstown. And that was where I spent most of my, my formative years, if you like. Um, Junior school in Domstown, uh, senior school went by the name of Westfields when I was there. Is now is now an Outwood Academy, but was was quite a tough place to grow up. If I'm honest, from that I left school. Um, I, well, I was I was working from being about 14, 15 in a in a pizza shop. Left school at sixteen, moved away, uh, managed a pizza shop in Mansfield, and then came back and did a YTS for for those of you. Old enough to remember a YTS, it was £25 a week and a sort of modern apprenticeship, if you like. Did that, worked in retail, I've sold everything from bricks to hoovers to, to baked beans and computers. And really enjoyed it, really enjoyed my life in retail, but then got involved in politics. Mainly on the back of a, a new housing development that was due to the back of where I lived. My councillor I didn't feel was representing the residents particularly well believed I could do a better job. And I suppose that that's always been my thing with politics. I'm a big believer in the fact that if if you're not happy with something or if you believe something should be done a different way, there's no point just being a bit of a keyboard warrior yeah. and whinging and moan about it. Put yourself out there, actually go out and do something about it. And that's what I did. The, the police and crime commissioner thing came about. I'm looking at that and I'm, I'm seeing the police force and I'm, I'm seeing Cleveland police deteriorate right, on a before our very eyes, really, over, over a number of years. And again, I can shout and I can complain and I can moan, but I genuinely felt I could do a better job because the role of, and I suppose we'll touch on that, the role of the Police and Crime Commissioner, it's not a policing role. So you don't need policing skills to be able to do it. And I felt I had some really good transferable skills that would do that. So I just put, put myself forward for that. I understand the role. What um, a few that do. What a few that do, but I think I'm also um, a very few that actually probably serves as a special police constable as well yeah. in Durham Constabulary, so I understand the role of a police officer as well. So what, what made you want to go for that? The thing nobody really understands about the Police and Crime Commissioner role amongst the general public is it's not operational. 
I'm not Commissioner Gordon from Batman. I, I, do, do you think people make that assumption when they see people, stuff on TV and like the American approach to do. it? Yeah, and it doesn't help with the fact that the Chief Constable in the Met's called the police Commissioner, and people think you have operational control. And I, I don't. Even last night, I received a an irate message from a gentleman who was unhappy at the way a police officer had dealt with his wife, and it was my fault. I think. Well, you're upset and I can help you go forward with this, but I don't, I can't go to that police officer and say, you did wrong here because that's just not my job. And it's the same when, when people see crimes happening and I am often a, a port of call for them. So I say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not your local officer. I'm, this isn't what the PCC rules does. The PCC role is strategic and it's about holding the force to account. And so, so that's the policing element of the police and crime commissioner role. The and commissioning role is huge. So we commission victim services, we grant fund domestic violence organisations, we work in educational environments, we work with school children, um, and we do all sorts of proactive work alongside the police and local authorities and other partner agencies to try and drive a, a better environment, either for people to live in and work in, or for people who have sadly been victims of crime and and we need to support them. So that commission inside of my role is huge. And that, that again, is, is the fundamental reason. So I, I hate the hypocrisy in politics. I love my role in the fact that I can really make a difference, whether that's supporting an organisation with a grant fund or helping promote the work they do through social media and through visits and things like that. That side of it, I, I can make a real impact on more so than I would suggest even MPs, because un unless you're, you're physically part of the government, if you're an opposition MP or you're even a backbench MP within the government, your day-to-day -day impact can, can be very minimal. Yeah. Very minimal, whereas my role's got real teeth and, and we can make a real positive difference. It's like being to. on the front bench of the politics. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So 2021, you're elected in. What's been your thought process of the job so far? Is it, what was your expectations? Is it any different to what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, so there's a, a few things I expected. Um, so I knew, I'd done a lot of research. I'd spoke to a lot of different people. I knew the force was in a bad way. Yeah, um, We'd been in special measures since 2019. We were the worst force in the country by far. And, and everybody accepted that. And we weren't coming out of that anytime soon. So I knew that going in. I'd probably underestimate, even even as bleak as the picture I was painted, and I, I knew what I was going into, I still underestimated the scale and the size of that problem because um, it, it ran throughout the whole force. It ran throughout the whole force. So you mentioned there special measures. For your listeners who might not be aware, what, what is a special measure and why do forces get put into it? So every force is inspected um, by... HMIC, FRS. Is it a bit like an Ofsted? Yes. Yeah. Ofsted inspection, yeah, like for, an Ofsted inspection yeah. for schools. Yeah. Uh, or an audit, yeah. of whatever description. So every force comes in and they're audited and they're audited across a whole range of things. And Cleveland was the only force ever to, to be graded inadequate in all six potential areas you could be inspected on. Um, and that hadn't happened before. South Yorkshire was the previous worst just after the whole Hillsborough thing, they, they'd gone in, they'd been in grade inadequate in four, and it took them four years to come out of just those four, and we had six. Um, 
and you look at it and it doesn't what it doesn't measure it's not measuring financial performance for example it's not measuring well have you got enough officers to do this or have you made cuts by that it's measuring real core things are you recording crime correctly are you looking after victims do you understand what your demand is telling you how are you leading um your force how are your workforce performing so it's it's all of those measures within an organization so you could you could not you could have 10 crimes not solve any of them but if you've done the right things on all 10 of them you'll be graded as excellent so it's not about where where the crime was but it's the the way it works is if you are underperforming your crime is probably going up as well i think you would say that is probably a, a significant milestone achieved from the force to be coming out with special Come, measure coming out of that so that that was my number one priority and and the interesting thing about special measures, what, what people don't see, is we have what's called PPOC, so Police Performance Oversight Group. And once a quarter, myself, the Chief Constable, senior leaders within the force, go to London to, to be questioned and challenged on what we've done in that last quarter against the, the targets we've set ourselves. And they were quite brutal in the early instances. Um, so Tom Windsor used to chair them. You've got members of the Home Office, College of Policing, senior officials from from every department has an impact and everybody is literally staring at the two of you saying what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing to to turn this force around and in those early days it was really tough really tough we've come through that so a combination of the work my team have done around scrutiny around challenge around support for the force Bringing in the new chief constable was the catalyst we needed. I, I needed somebody with with a level of experience and, more importantly, a desire to to really turn a performance of the force round. So at the end of 2023 now, so I would say special measures, obviously, a significant success marker for yourself yeah. and for the force, more importantly. What would you say with your other kind of two? If I had to talk about my top three, uh, obviously coming out with special measures is huge and, and we're probably six to nine months earlier than I expected that. I said on, on the day I was elected, I said it would probably take me two terms yeah. to, to see significant traction on that and we've done it within one um, so we can really move forward on that. The other thing I'm, I'm really, really proud of this year is we've achieved a customer service accreditation for, for our resolution team, which is effectively our complaints triage team. There isn't another force in the country that have got this award. In fact, there isn't another force in the country that's even gone for this award. Yeah. Um, so we're unique in that. And that shows that things do go wrong. We, everybody accepts things go wrong. Police officers are human. The force I isn't infallible. We make mistakes. But when they do, it's about making sure we do the right things and we take the learnings from that. And that's what this customer service accreditation gives us because it shows that not only are we recording the, the dissatisfaction, not only are we helping the members of the public who, who feel they've had a poor service from Cleveland Police, but we're also recording that and learning from it, and we can show where those learnings have gone back into force. And to, to achieve that, and, and again, that's, that's been 18 months in the working to get to that point. And like I said, we are the only force in the country that's, that's got that accreditation now, which, which puts us out there as quite clearly the number one force in the country for how we deal with that and, and then you and i can't sit here and, and and talk about my best achievements without talking about copper 
and and the work you and all abs have done with that again that's something that currently it doesn't exist anywhere else in the country in that format every time we talk to members of the public now they love it and we're starting to see some fantastic success people that are, are feeding in information about drug dealing about off-road bikes about cannabis houses um suspicious behavior the force are getting really adept now at picking that information up pulling it together with other information that come in from other areas and utilizing it and if we talk about off-road bikes which has been the number one issue for me so in in six months between april and october this year cleveland police has seized over f almost 500 vehicles wow. either quads or bikes now to put that in perspective in the whole of last year we probably seized less than 100 so for for the, for the audience that may not be aware, what is Copper? So Copper's an app, um, Cleveland Online Policing app, and it gives members of the public an opportunity to quickly and easily upload information into the force. Now, there's options on there to report crime, which so you might get a crime number, and you might just say, right, well, my shed was broken into, so-and-so, so-and-so was taken, I need a crime number for my insurance company, um, and, and you can report it that way. You can report things directly to your local authority, whether that's fly tipping, neighbourhood nuisance, parking issues. You can go to the DVLA about untaxed vehicles. Or you can come through the force and provide information. The media, the photographs, the videos we've had of people riding off-road bikes um, is, is just phenomenal. And, and that's proven to be a real success. And it's free. It's easy to download. Once you're registered, you can, you can upload a video and some text and... Uh, a report of of an incident within about 90 seconds so another thing you're probably not being aware of steve is last week i had a conversation with the dev team that actually built a single online home all right asking us how we did it brilliant so i think you know so i think part of the original discussions that we had as part of the development cycle yeah. was single online home does exist it's still there it's obviously you can access it through the cleveland police um website but one thing we realized straight away is it's quite a long, lengthy process. Is, yeah. I think it was 38 pages or something that yeah. we worked out. And when my team were looking at mind mapping the whole exercise, we thought, wow, <laughs> if you want to submit something, I'd get bored by page 10, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'd lose interest and then just go, I'll leave it. Yeah. But I think from a Cleveland police, from the Crime Commissioner's office, I think from a significant dev house from that's built to yeah. single online home to then approach us to go actually what was the methodology how did you manage to simplify a complex process yeah um i think probably speaks volumes and and for, you've had interest from other forces yes well, you? so um scotland police um are now uh, i've engaged a conversation with us to see how how the system works what sort yeah. of data are we pushing out how is it helping the force how easy is it to use and we've also had uh interest from the london met which is a significant one. So to be able to be, um, I would say, a relatively small force uh, across the United Kingdom to, to lead the, the biggest, biggest yeah, to two yeah. of the biggest forces to go, actually, he's a much more simpler way of capturing it. What's been kind of your biggest challenge probably this year or going back from when you've started? What what sort of challenges that you face? The the, the number one thing that, that frustrates me and, and the public of Cleveland is... And, and our police officers, and you'll have seen this yourself, Imran, as a, as a special. Police officers do a brilliant job 99% of the time. They catch the bad guys, they do the work, 
there's an awful lot of paperwork involved to, to yeah. get to a charging point. In my mind, all too often they are let down by somebody putting this arbitrary line in that says, we don't think there's enough evidence there for you to go to charge. Or even worse, it going to charge and it go to court. Why we aren't consistently applying a tougher punishment to the people that needed that they will always I'm a, I'm a big believer in rehabilitation and a big believer in supporting people um so they don't commit crime going forward but there has to be a punishment yeah and and it's got to be consistent and i think the problem we've got now is it's not consistent there are people going to court for for waving a machete around in the street that aren't going to jail is it more training required is it you know do this Judges and magistrates need to be in the streets a bit more with the officers to understand exactly what's going on I, and I think kind of live and feel that. The, firstly, I think, so the the legislation's there, right? The sentencing powers are there. Um, if, if you're supplying Class A drugs, you can go to jail for 10 years, right? For a first offence, right? It's, it's as simple as that. But those offences aren't handed out. And part of the problem, I was chatting to a magistrate or a former magistrate, and she was saying, if you can give a 10-year sentence, but on average others are only giving a two-year sentence, if you suddenly hand out a five- or a six-year sentence, you're out of kilter, and then good lawyers will then argue in an appeal that the sentence was disproportionately high and you potentially risk somebody getting an even lesser sentence because yeah. you've tried to be harsher. And we've got that's where we have to draw the line. I think the appeal system um, for for sentences is, is where we need to look at, and and do we make it tougher to appeal those sentences? Do we give judges and magistrates more confidence to do that? So one thing I've always looked at is the benchmarking for the UK is pretty poor. So and that goes back to if one judge awards a two years, but in reality it should have been five. Yeah, you automatically with you've very sophisticated like yeah you've set a president to go well so and so shouldn't be allowed this because overall yeah. x y and x y and z court case said they got x so you need to benchmark it to that yeah. so do we need to start increasing the benchmark for the crimes and the punishment levels up across the country in order then to the, the, drive a there's, lot of there's a good argument for that and I, and I can see where we need to go that but then you've got to look at every crime on its merits every crime because you might have a 13-year-old carrying a knife because he's been threatened every day for the last month by somebody else who's carrying a knife. Yeah. And so in his head, that's the right thing to do. You can't give those two people the same punishment. So you've got to look at every crime in his marriage. What you can't do is benchmark on a sentence. You've got to benchmark on circumstances. And so in the 23, what, what, what's, what are the next for your officers? So that you've already done quite a bit. There's been a lot of stuff in between. <coughs> Since, you know, we've had COVID and lockdowns and that to yeah. deal with through the force as well. I guess that brought its own unique challenges as well. But what do you see the next steps for the office? For my office, so we, with scrutiny now, we're focused very much on outcomes. So we're in a good place. We've got great foundations within the force. We've got great processes. We know where our demand is. We've got a plan to go forward with that. It's now about challenging our office or our leadership to say, right, well, where are we seeing that drive down in outcomes? And we saw this over the summer. Normally, antisocial behaviour spikes over the summer in every force in the country. We flatlined over the summer. So that, that's a massive success to not see that antisocial behaviour spike. Um, so those are the types of things we're challenging the force with. But then 
more importantly for my office, we're really starting to get into the weeds of those drivers of crime. So I'm doing an awful lot of work at the minute on rehabilitation of offenders, um, supporting homeless people, because in any society, if you don't have a stable home and you don't have a job to go to, you are much more likely to commit crime. If you're coming out of prison, and, and the figures show that, if you come out of prison without a home and a, jo and a job, um, 86% re-offend. Wow. Whereas if that's you... A, that's a it's, high, it's huge. high number, yeah. Whereas if you come out of prison with a home and a job, only 14% re-offend. We're, we're really targeting that element of, of how do we get people coming out of prison into a job and how do we give them a stable, secure home in a nicer environment than they're currently going into. And if we can get that right, if we can cut re-offending in Cleveland, Cleveland's got one of the highest re-offending rates in the country, we can cut re-offending, we really do start to, to drive down crime in a big way, far more. We're never going to arrest our way out of some of these problems. We need to address the underlying things. So that rehabilitation of re-offenders piece is, is a big passion for me. The, the drug dealers, as opposed to, so I, I chair the region's combating drugs partnership is one of my roles. And we're looking at different ways to a, support addicts right, and stop people getting into, into cannabis, into cocaine, amphetamines in the first place. Um, but also there's an enforcement arm of that as well and, and what the police do around targeting those those people further up the food chain. Right? So we, we can pick a dealer up on any street corner any day of the week, but on any given hour of the week. Um, but it's the people that are supplying them and, and those are the people we need to start to target. Brilliant. Steve, been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank, Thank you for you. giving us the opportunity to ask you those questions. So if anybody wants to know about where to find the podcast, where they can listen to um, on Apple, Spotify, or, or any of your major um, podcasting apps, we'll have the link to the podcast. They certainly will. And and anybody that wants has any questions or wants to get in touch with my team, they can do so at the PCC website. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good to be on this side of the table. <laughs>